Welcome to The Photo Report. This is Braden Flynn, your host, and this is a really great episode that I'm excited to share with you, a conversation with John Dolan, who is an incredible photographer. He's shot the likes of Will Smith, Ben Stiller. You know, he just shot Gwyneth Paltrow's wedding. Some really, really big names. He's been doing it for about 30 years and has some really great knowledge to share. I, I really encourage you to listen to the end of this because we start out with just sort of how we got into it and all that, but then we really start having a great conversation. But yeah, hope you love this episode as much as I had having the conversation. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Film Supply Club. If you're a photographer and guessing you are, you need to join. It's a member-based community where once a member, you get access to discounted prices on photo-related services, saving you tons of money. And if you shoot film, you get access to wholesale pricing, saving you even more. It's basically the best prices on film you can find. And as a listener to this podcast, you get a $20 gift card to use in the shop if you become a member. So go to filmsupply.club slash the photo report, all lowercase, all one word, to get that deal and start saving today. Now on to the show. John, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and all that. And stoked to have you here. Excited to talk to you, Braden. Awesome. Well, for people that don't know you as well, can you just give a slight background as to, I mean, where you are in your photo journey and how you got there? Sure. Uh, I've been in the game for a long time. I was thinking about it last night. It's the only job I've ever had since I was 15 years old. Wow. Uh, uh, so I've never had a full-time job. I've never had a paycheck from somebody besides myself. Uh, so I've had 30 years freelance in New York. And uh, I started out as a magazine photographer and slipped my way into weddings in the early days of the 90s. And uh, uh, I've always had a... Uh, ambition to keep weddings as part of my business, but not let them be the whole business. So I've balanced magazine work, ad work and weddings for 30 years. Nice. And so you, cause I think a lot of people either, I know a lot of commercial photographers that have just recently started getting into weddings because I know when I first started getting into weddings, it was sort of like, Oh, that's cute. You shoot weddings. And it was almost, it was really frowned upon to shoot weddings. Have you found that to yeah. be the case coming from both worlds? So, uh, certainly when I started, weddings were the lowest form of photography you could be into. So um, I remember being at a party with a lot of journalists back in the 90s and uh, people were talking about doing projects in Nicaragua or Bosnia and they turned to me and said, so what are you doing these days, Dolan? And I said, oh, I've been shooting weddings and they all kind of frowned at me for a second. I said, well, I just shot Will Smith's wedding. I shot Ben Stiller's and, uh, they started handing out business cards saying, if you need a second shooter, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, it was a great moment because I realized that I wasn't ashamed of doing it and I was doing it my way. And also in the nineties, it was wide open. There were, there was a very small group of us who embraced weddings as photographers rather than as wedding photographers. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you come to it with that attitude that you're, I, I really thought of myself as somebody who's fascinated by weddings rather than by the wedding industry. I just wanted to tell the stories that I saw in front of me and, and dive deep into them as if I was shooting a magazine story. So it, it was almost that I was naive to the ways of the wedding industry. That was a real help. You know, sometimes being <laughs> being an amateur is a help, um, and I feel for people who are starting these days because the wedding industry is so strong, and there are so many great photographers who are um, making a really good living doing big time wedding photography. But in a funny way, it, it was much more innocent when we we were rejecting the cheesy stuff of the 80s and just doing our thing in the 90s so it's a, it's a tricky time now yeah and we'll we'll get into that in a second but i'd still love to go back to just going from being a journalist and then going to shooting people like will smith and ben stiller how how did that end up coming about like how do you feel like you, know you started getting into that celebrity you, circuit yeah 
it's funny when you when you look back on a career because it it really is just a series of cobblestones uh, being laid out in front of you. You kind of each job is a cobblestone, and you cobble it together for years. And um, there's definitely no such thing as overnight success. Uh, I didn't start making money as a shooting photographer until I was thirty. So I had a long apprenticeship. A uh, four-year apprenticeship with an incredible photographer named Sylvia Plahi, and she was a Village Voice staff photographer and then New Yorker photographer. Um, and <clears throat> her son is more well-known than she is. Her son is Adrian Brody, the actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he was just a seventh-grade kid when I worked there, um, and I was at their house every day for four years, printing her pictures in her attic and. Um, so I, I really had a slow evolving, uh, of my sort of way of seeing as a photographer before I started showing my book around and getting assignments. Uh, and then it took me another 10 years of shooting to get, uh, sort of the first big jobs. So I think it's important for people to slow down and lay your cobblestones slowly and not rush to you know make it into the whatever top 10 list you're shooting for it's uh i i did a, i did 10 years of um assignments of various intensity and size and kind of shot everything and learned how to fail at a job miserably and how to surprise myself and how to challenge myself but um it was also a cheaper time to live in New York city. So, you know, I could live on $500 a month rent and all those sorts of things. But I really think that slowing down and working on your vision is, uh, is something that people don't necessarily get to do these days. You know, we're all, we're all our own brand and we're all rushing to make it to the top, but a long way to get there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, completely 100% agree with that. And, and I don't know if you have could right off the top of your head, think of what that looks like. But I mean, if, if you were trying to either tell a younger photographer or tell your younger self to slow down in the midst of, you know, this Instagram crazy world where everyone's looking at everyone else's images and you can see what everyone else is doing or appearing to be doing, what what does slowing down and building your your vision and or laying your cobblestones actually look like? It's such a it's such a great question because it's um, it, you know I can I can tell you how I did it, which was I had some early clients who just gave me a lot of work that was not for a lot of money, so I got. I worked for a free newspaper on in Tribeca in New York, a weekly newspaper, and they would give me five assignments and I would get on my bicycle and I would go shoot a restaurant. I'd go shoot a portrait of a politician. I'd go shoot a homeless shelter. I'd go shoot a feature story. And then I'd go back to my dark room, develop the film, make little quick prints then that was in the old days of faxing. So I'd fax these wet prints to the art director so he could start laying them out. And, you know, I did that for a couple of years and it just got me uh, so fluid with being in a situation and having to problem solve and to know what to do when things aren't working, you know, just all those lessons. And you know, it was not a money job at all, but it was like being in the minor leagues and working on your swing or your you know, throw into the plate. So if you can ever find a situation like that, and it could even be for a nonprofit, it could be for your kid's school, it could be for anything right in front of you uh, where you get to exercise your eyes and your instincts and how you deal with people. That, that's the gold. That, that's the stuff you tap into when you're shooting a big wedding and something goes wrong and there's no sun and you know you have to figure out what what's in your ninja toolkit. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'm a, I'm a big advocate of, I, I was already shooting. I mean, I went to school for business, but then after I got done with my undergrad college, I went back to a community college and took all of their photo classes. And I think there was something about learning to make a photo versus just take a photo. But then at the same time, the importance, uh, I think it's difficult for a photographer or anyone to self-assign, but to, to have a class where then a teacher is telling you to go like create this or document this, which is, I think it's similar to working at that low pain magazine, but yeah. Well, let's, let's start with this. Here's a radical premise. Photography is easy. I've seen people get really good at it in six months and just kill it in a year. You know, they get to get to a really high level. And then I've seen people get completely stuck or frozen after a couple of years of shooting because it came to them so, so easily. And, uh, you know, what other art form can you get good at in six months? Like, you know, you, sculpture, painting, drawing music. I, I haven't seen people soar in that way because the camera does a huge percentage of it. I've even had students in some of our workshops who just had some really great photographs. But then when I asked them about F-stops or ISO, they basically said, oh, no, I just put it on P, whatever that means. And I shoot my kid by the window and get this great stuff. You know, it's it's amazing how easy it is to fake it. And I think what that does is it presents an opportunity to a, a challenge to yourself where it's not about how to take pictures. It's about why and what do you have to say and what's your passion? What's your, what's your mission? Or the big one also is what's your superpower. And I think that's a great thing to kind of figure out. And I definitely had a light bulb moment as a young photographer when I would, I mean, the old days in New York, you'd see other photographers walking around town with their portfolios and you'd be incredibly intimidated by, you know, what you imagine was in their book. So I meditated on my, in my, in my little apartment, like, what am I good at that other people aren't? And the answer was that I get really calm around people who are nervous. So I'm the youngest of six, you know, every, (laughs) uh, Chaos is kind of the norm of my childhood. There's always kids running around the house. So I realized that the first time I did a wedding, that was a very comfortable place for me to be, to be at a house with people getting dressed and people yelling at each other, where's my shoes, where's my tuxedo, all that sort of stuff. That was just me as a kid in you know, in my house with everybody getting ready to go to school. So once I found that superpower, I realized that weddings were the place for me, as opposed to, you know, like a corporate portrait where I have five minutes with the CEO. That was not a happy place for me. I'd rather have an eight-hour wedding to get my pictures. So it's it's good for everybody to dig in and say, what matches your personality and how do you turn that into a an asset as a photographer? No, nah, that's... that's... You know, really important to figure out. So, Hey, I want to start to switch. It's not really switching direction, but you wrote in on your blog, a little manifesto and I want to read a little part of it. And then I would love to talk more about it. And before I get into that, you, you came from how many siblings did you have? I'm the youngest of six. That's, that's what I thought you had told me before. Uh, yeah. So, so chaos would be comfortable for you. Yes. <laughs> so to your manifesto, says, as a wedding season comes to a close, I have some reflections on the role we play as photographers. Pop culture would have us believe that a wedding must be perfect down to every last detail to be successful. I see things differently. In my experience, it's precisely the unpredictability of a wedding that often makes it memorable. Photographers have a great opportunity to look beyond the shot list and find beauty and truth in these imperfect moments. Current trends in photography have inadvertently reinforced an unattainable ideal of perfection by focusing on flawless over the real. Brides and grooms may not realize that many of these images they see online are actually produced during styled shoots shot weeks before the actual wedding. While these photographs may be inspirational, they often end up creating an unrealistic expectation of what can be achieved during a compressed and stressed wedding timeline. 
what if wedding photographs aren't only meant to depict dreamy romance, but instead chronicle a full range of emotions? And then you go on to talk a lot more and, and what you do and how you do it. But can you, and, and I know we chatted about a bit out at Engage and you had a, you spoke out there. Could you just sort of go into where your heart is behind a lot of this and some of your passions? Well, it comes from what I've seen at weddings. I've seen the stress that couples put on themselves and I kind of dissected that and I realized uh, bride and grooms are stressed because they're imagining what people are going to see of their wedding, what people are going to think of their wedding based on this false ideal that they've seen at other weddings. So it's a, it's a really strange loop. And, and the other thing is that I've always been fascinated by the, the sort of salty and the sweet at weddings, the melancholy, the the stress, all that stuff makes a wedding rich for me. And to only see photographs that are, I don't even know the term to use, but they're, they're only showing, it's really when you see people posting saying best day ever, and the day was perfect, everything was perfect. Sometimes feels like they're, they're selling something to you or they're, it's, it's all too sugar sweet from my point of view when there's so much richness in the rest of the wedding. And it's it's not to say that we're not taking romantic pictures, but I'm just trying to expand the, the shot list from the pretty to the real and, and to come away with pictures that ring true to the wedding, not to the ideal of the wedding. So it's a, it's a funny little shift, but I mean, it's, it's, it, why is the wedding industry so uh, narrow in its portrayal of what weddings are? And I'm afraid the answer is that because that's where the greatest profit is. But there's no doubt you can make a lot of money by making really pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. But I take the role in, in a different way. I, I I take the role of photographer as a uh, as a historian, as a cultural historian, as a family chronicler. I take that seriously. So I don't want my pictures in 20 years to be the, this kind of, let's, let let me take it a different way. If you look back at wedding photos from the seventies or eighties, there's something about them that's kind of fake. And it was, as I've looked at those pictures, the way the photographers treated the bride and grooms was in this kind of fuzzy ideal of marriage during a time when when marriages were <laughs> in in rough shape in a lot of part of the country. So I don't want to make wedding photographs that are uh, this kind of false dream world. It's a tr- it's a really funny thing. It's we have an obligation as photographers to tell the truth. Doesn't have to be the absolute truth, but has to be has to ring true. So my hope is that the photographs that I take will be discovered by some child in 20 years, and when they open up that box of photographs, they can feel what their parents were like in 2018, what they looked like, and what their real personality, as opposed to some idealized version of that. And and also this is my this has always been my approach. I. I, I know that some people really revel in the other approach to to make the dreamy, um, idolized view, but I'm fascinated by finding that essence at every wedding, and that's what's kept it fresh for me for 30 years, is that I don't know what I'm going to get at each wedding. I kind of enter and try to discover something from that couple in particular, and not just them in the same setting and have the bride turn back to the camera and fire away. Right. So what can you, can you maybe even talk through how that plays out for you? Like, how do you approach a wedding and what are you, uh, you know, it sounds like you're trying to come away with the authenticity, but what is, what does that look like for you? And how do you feel like that's different than what is happening? Uh, the, the first thing I do is take a nap. So uh, I have all my gear laid out. I have my suit laid out. 
And then uh, if I'm leaving to go to the wedding at two o'clock, I'll just like lie down for 10 minutes and I'm sort of emptying my, my eyes, emptying my brain and just sort of saying, I don't know what's going to happen today. <laughs> it's because I'm really looking at almost like a novelist or a short story writer. So I'm thinking of these two families coming together and entering into this union. And so I, I really set myself as a kind of empty vessel to be filled up by the day. And then once I start, I almost throw away the shot list because I, at this point, I know what the shot list is. So I, I enter that house and I put on my, uh, my sensors on high alert. Like what is going on with this family? What's going on between the mother and the daughter? Where's the stress point? Who's going to be complicated today? You know, there's every family has usually one family member who causes a little bit of extra stress. I don't want to give the impression that I'm shooting edgy pictures of stressed out people fighting with each other. I'm just looking for subtlety and narrative and just, yeah, I, I'm trying to look at each person and imagine how they're experiencing the day. And interesting thing is that the older I've gotten, I've shifted now where I'm seeing what the dads are going through. I'm, I'm really keyed in on father, the bride, because I have a, my daughter's 23, 24. I just, you know, it's like all of a sudden I can see myself <laughs> in these people yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I go up to these guys and go, man, you like the guy she's marrying? Cause that's big. You're, it's like you're adopting somebody, right? As a, you know? So, um, that my point of view has shifted and, but still I'm, I'm this kind of observer, neutral observer. I don't have a, an agenda and I'm just trying to really feel what it likes, what, what, feel what it feels like in a house full of nervous people. And I think that could be really, you know, I guess my goal is that six weeks later when the bride sees these pictures, that I tap back, in, back into exactly what she was feeling at that moment. So that's why I don't, that's why I don't direct people at their wedding because I don't want to be the person changing their flow of the day or, you know, if they're express, if they're feeling some emotion, I don't want to mess with that. I think that's kind of not our job as photographers. I, I certainly guide people into good light but I would never tell somebody, put your hand here, put your, you know, it just feels like I'd be violating some code of, I don't know, some private code. Right. No, I, I hear you. I guess the, not to be contrary, but to sort of just have a conversation on this, because oh, I would say, yeah, on, from my, the way that I approach it is, I mean, the photos that I love the most are the candid images. And I think yeah. I've found over the years of shooting is that there are, and it'll be a, a question I'm going to ask in a little bit is how much you feel, you know, blogs and magazines and that sort of pressure is put on the expectation of the photographer and the bride. But going back to this is, I mean, I find that as much as I'm, I, I always tell people I'm getting both and where I think I, even at the reception, I say, let's, because I had a handful of weddings where my first weddings, the brides were very coming from the fashion editorial world and say, we want nothing traditional, just be as candid as you can. And I would shoot that. Right. And then, and those weddings got featured in magazines and they came out beautifully and the brides were and the couple was really happy. But then I was getting mom writing back and being like, where are these photos? Why are there no photos of people just looking at the camera? And well, your daughter didn't want that. You know, so, yeah. so now I say, listen, I, those are my favorite photographs as well. And I get those, but I'm also going to make, I'm shooting, I'm looking for the laughter at the reception, but then I'm also going to walk up and say, Hey, can I grab your photo and have people look at the camera and take their picture? So it's, I'm getting, yeah. I feel like I'm yeah. getting both, but it's in a very natural candid way. Well, uh, I'm with you a hundred percent. And I say my approach is to I shift at a certain part of the wedding from being the neutral observer to being a, a welcome guest. Right. And it, and I think uh, I, I think really what I've, I've evolved into is that 
I'm much more patient than I used to be. So uh, now I'll kind of wait for the wedding to open up to me rather than force myself into it. In other words, I start slowly and want to get to know people and I talk to people and I mingle and I hang with the bridesmaids and I make friends with the groomsmen. And it's a real process to be led into a group of strangers. And, you know, it's, but it's, it's a funny thing that how I am as a photographer affects the pictures. Massively. So the, the, the older I've gotten, the more comfortable I am with just kind of putting the camera down and engaging with people first and on a kind of human level. And then the picture's so much better rather than just walking up to somebody cold and, you know, just firing away. So I, it, it, there's a real rhythm to the whole weekend, in fact, when I do weekend weddings where I'm on the outside and then I'm, I find my allies and I work my way in and, you know, the best ones end up with me on the dance floor dancing with the bride. And, but that's a arc from being total strangers to being intimate strangers, you know? Absolutely. And and it's, that's the really, the glorious thing about this, that we do, uh, we do see things in the family drama that nobody else gets to see. Right. So that, the, the photographer is a privileged position and it's definitely some a reason that I've that I'm really big on leaving the egos at the door you know when when, when you start the job you're this kind of invisible and then very visible and then invisible and then and you kind of shift back and forth in your presence at the wedding but it's never about me it's, it's their wedding it's I'm just there to squeeze the essence out of it. But whenever whenever the photographer or the videographer becomes too big a role at the wedding, it seems really wrong to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, going, I totally agree with that stuff. And, but I want to go back to the directing, not directing. Because I, I think... Yes. I, I, There's a, I, I, there is a... I mean, I saw how you moved at Engage and very much a similar thing where you're 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 dancing with people as you're as you're photographing them you're you're engaging with them physically and with your eyes and emotionally and to get the best picture out of them and then you're moving on and you keep moving and uh, but i'm not averse to jumping on when somebody set up a group picture of five friends from college right. with their iPhone, I jump right in on that and grab it. Cause I don't know who the five friends from high school or college are. Totally. So, but I, you know, it, I can't even say that I have one way of working. It's very intuitive and it's very dependent on what I think I need for the story and what I think is happening at that moment. And so you know, there are certainly times when I could tell the bride doesn't want me to direct at all. And there are certain times when the bride sort of says, can you get this and this? So there's not a one size fits all. I tend to get a lot of people who are shy and a little bit older and are really into photography, but not into being the center of attention. Yes. And, and those brides are just the greatest they're they're challenging because they're shy but they're incredibly grateful when you bring them 12 really beautiful pictures because uh they didn't expect that yeah i think if you have a high high maintenance bride who loves being in front of the camera you know that's that could be trickier but um totally i mean i i think because i would say that almost every single couple whether they are you know that they're going to be absolutely simple in front of the camera because they're ridiculously good looking or from couples who just like are more shy and nervous or don't like the center of attention. Generally, everybody tells me like, we're not really good in front of the camera, you know? And I say like, listen, unless you're a model, what other time in your life are you being photographed for? You're looking at going, I'm going to have like 30 minutes where I'm going, going to be the center of attention. And I think couples feel this pressure that they need to perform for the camera. 
So what I generally say yeah. is, listen, yeah. I'm going to direct you through this whole process so you don't have to perform. So I, because ultimately what you've resonated with my images is that they're really candid and natural, but I'm directing you through that whole process. Like I'm, and, and so I'm not telling people, put your hand here, put your hand there, but it is still, I feel like I'm yeah. directing them so they don't have to think about what they're doing and they can just be with each other, which I think is probably yeah. what you're doing when you're saying you're directing them into light, but. I think if you just leave them to do, it's almost like that, you know, Will Will Ferrell thing was like, uh, what do I do with my hands? You know, so it's just like, hey, listen, just yeah. just be with each other. If I need you to look at me, I'll tell you to look at me, but just be, walk. And it's it's moving quickly through the space. And it's just so they don't have to like think that they're being photographed. Yes. The only thing I would add is that I, I, I'm sort of loving slightly awkward moments if that couple is really awkward, I had, I had one couple recently, they told me they were awkward. And then I did a little kind of quick engagement shoot. And I thought to myself, yes, they are super awkward. <laughs> but, and, but then at their wedding, even on their wedding day, they were very awkward. They're just super smart and super shy and self-conscious. And they're, they're just way too smart for the camera, but that the awkwardness, they loved in the pictures. It just completely worked for them because it's, it reflected who they were. And I know that if I had gotten frustrated with that and wished for them to, you know, really do something magnificent, they would have just been miserable. So it's about reading. uh, It's about knowing the people and really reading those signs of what they're, capable of or what they're willing to do and you know i just i my main thing is i do not want to add any more stress to the day i want to take stress away i'm constantly sort of reading the temperature of the couple and you know how they're doing do they need a break and and sometimes i leverage that and if i see them being stressed by family or something i said let's leave the tents and go take a quick walk and people love people often really love the relief of that yeah yeah i'm I, it's funny because i think a lot of the things that you're describing that you think through and do is i don't even it's just sort of a natural piece of my personality you know like it's that warmth yeah. of just making people feel comfortable. Like I literally tell brides, like you're, totally. your, your maid of honor is going to be a little jealous because like you are my person on the day, you know, it's like, yeah. and, and there's those elements where it's, it's, I feel like it's such a win when the bride is coming to you asking for a, you know, it's like, what do you think I should do with my hair? Or like, you know, like those little yeah. things of, I, I think it is that element of really gaining trust and, and, I mean, to me, that is the most special thing about the day is when, when you are so valued in that position of trust. Yes. But I mean, also your personality is that thing that you're a positive force and, you know, we are neutral. We're, we're safe. We're like a safe person in the middle of the room. And, but I, I think sometimes I see other photographers at weddings occasionally who are working so hard and, you know, just really trying to crush it. And I think that's good to remember that you you got plenty of time and uh, the more effortless it looks like, the more effortless you make it look, the better just for everybody. And, you know, I regularly hear stories of people who, who went to another wedding and the photographer took them away to do picture, took the bride and groom away for two hours to do pictures and the bride and groom missed the cocktail hour and all that sort of stuff. And I just think it doesn't have to be that way. (laughs) It's we can get our pictures. We can make it fun. It's not our wedding and it's not our photo um, shoot. No, it's not our photo shoot. And that that gets back to that the, the funny thing about that the trend of styled shoots mm-hmm. had this accidental thing that came after it is that people think they can get that on their wedding day. Like, yeah, can we in between the ceremony and the reception, can we go take a helicopter to a cliff in New Zealand and do a 
this photo. <laughs> Shoot a bus on the rocks. <laughs> well, how about we just stand here and we'll blow out the background or, right. um, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I really think we can, uh, can relieve pressure and still come away with uh, pictures and people just appreciate it so much, you know, that we didn't take the whole day for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think going on that same styled shoot conversation is, do you, I mean, cause you've seen, things come into existence and now they're here like blogs and, and a lot of the social media, how do you feel like that has changed the industry or even expectations? And do you feel them and all that sort of stuff? I'm a little bit on the edge of the industry, so I don't follow it all that much, but I know that, I mean, I just have one basic thought that I've, that's been spinning around my head for the last 15 years or so is that why does why do most photographers stay in the herd and just kind of uh, there's a herd mentality and everybody imitates each other. And I keep looking for people to break out and reinvent it and find their own way. And I certainly see brides reinventing their weddings and doing things differently and having less formal things, but photography still feels to me like it's in a very narrow bandwidth. And, you know, I just, uh, I'm really curious to see what people do. And it gets back to this essential thing that for me, the most important person to please at a wedding is not the bride, it's not the planner, it's not the mother's bride, but it's myself. So, uh, you know, I want to, at each wedding, I want to make pictures that I haven't seen before and push myself into this other area and, and not just take the safe pictures but I don't see as much of that as I would love to. And, and I think that when, when I've looked at blogs, they all follow such a set pattern of the bride and groom's name at the top and then pictures of the dress and the shoes and the, all that sort of stuff. And then 30 other pictures that all kind of look a little predictable. Even though the quality is super high, it doesn't feel to me like... Uh, people are pushing the boundaries or taking risks, which is what what I would love to see just from my own eyes. Yeah. Can, can I ask sort of a question into that question or statement Please. where, so to give an example of where I'm going with this is let's say you were hired for a commercial job from, for an ad campaign of a particular company and they have, you know, like here's our expectations. If, I feel like there's the element, if you were to just go out and shoot what you wanted, you know, it's like that element of like, you're getting paid to do a job. You've got to deliver on the job. This is that's a super good question. The way I flipped it in my head is that if I'm doing a job for Tiffany's or something, that art director, no, I, I have great respect for the art director and their vision. And I'm aiming for that. What I've seen at weddings is that the typical bride and groom are 28, 29. They've never done this before, and they don't know what they don't know, and they don't know they they know what they've seen on blogs um, and Pinterest, but they're coming to me to to capture something they haven't seen before. Right. So when I so. I actually think I know I have higher standards than most of my clients. Yes. So that's the, that's the difference. Um, ad jobs are definitely different. A wedding is it's almost too important to leave into the hands of a person who's doing it for the first time, but it's, but I, that's a really great window into the mindset of most photographers where you want to be professional. You want to do a great job. But I would contend that weddings are different. They're, you are, you're a specialist coming in to blow them away or to, I don't know what the equivalent is, but it's a very unique job. And I, I treat it totally differently than my, my other jobs. Yeah. Um, I, I heard, um, I'm assuming you know Art Stryber. Yes. So I went to one of his, for people that don't know who he is, he's a pretty massive commercial photographer. 
amazing work. And I went out to the Palm, Palm Springs Photo Expo a couple of years ago and heard him speak and went to his mm-hmm. workshop. And one of the things that he said was he he takes on a lot of basically editorial jobs or his personal work because you know they yeah. don't pay all that much. And but he he said, listen, I oh they have an expectation, and that's why they're bringing me on, and so I'm doing a job. And but what I do is I do. I get their shot. I, it's basically like one for them, one for me. So I get right. I get the shot that I know that they want. That's the safe shot, and then I go out there and I do what I want to do that I feel like is art to me. And so I think I've always taken that approach. Is where and and I think it goes back to those first couple of weddings where I would get emails from the mom saying, "Where are these photos?" And it's like, listen, I don't necessarily mm. care for the photo of the bride and groom just looking at the camera smiling. But I now say, listen, I'm I'm going to end up getting these photos like, because I want to come away yeah. with something that was better than the last thing that I shot. And and I think that's a constantly difficult thing to do when you are yeah. shooting. <laughs> but being able to also get like, listen, I'm getting the photo when they are walking into the light and they already are smiling, be able to turn around and say, all right, put your cheeks together, put your arms around each other, click, click. We've got a nice, you know, classic photo and then we're going to keep on. But I think for, I know for me and it, and it could be different for you, but the, uh, that element of still coming away with those traditional photos, but then I, the element of once you've got those or in the middle of getting those, then being able to like take it and be a little bit more creative and do the thing that you're going to walk away with. And, and I think for younger photographers, like if that's what you're trying to do, don't show the safe photos, show, show the photos that you're the most proud of. And then eventually exactly. it gets to the point where like where you are, John, like if if that person from Tiffany's hires you, they're hiring you because they know you have a voice and they know that you have a point of view. And so hopefully at a certain point by starting to only feature those images that really resonate with you, people are going to hire you for yeah. that. And then you get to do that thing. Well, that that's exactly the core of it, that if you don't have a distinct voice, you're you're going to you're not going to move up the ranks. There's, you know, there's, everyone knows Jose's look, everyone knows Tech's look. If you don't have a specific vision and point of view, then you're just taking pictures every Saturday and it's, you know, you'll make a living, but you won't be able to sustain it. You won't be able to grow as an artist. And, you know, I think that along the way at a wedding, I'm shooting I'm aiming high, but even when I miss, when I'm aiming high, I'm hitting the middle and I'll please the mom. And I definitely learned that years ago that you need that one picture for the piano or the mantelpiece. Right, exactly. So, so you know, that's definitely not worth missing. Um, and it's amazing how often I still forget that picture and then, oh, better get that. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to but, get too. But it's so easy to get. But, but, the real thing is that if I if I aim towards the middle and miss, then I'm down in the drink. If I aim high and miss, I'm still I'm still hitting the middle and, and pleasing a lot of people. But it's it's about it's again sort of a cobbling together of images that create this mosaic of uh, of what happened that day. But but I need those. 12, 15 peak pictures, high point pictures. It doesn't necessarily have necessarily have to be a specific thing on the shot list or the timeline. But I just think in our memory of an event, we remember, you know, eight to 12 things in our mind, or at least that's what I want to bring to the bride and groom when I deliver their pictures. I want to bring these, these peak moments of bliss or, uh, tension or beauty or truth or beauty or whatever it is, but it's all there. We just have to sift through and find it. Love that. And so I, if, if someone was listening and thinking, man, I, I don't know if I do have a voice in my images yet. And I really want that. What, how would you encourage someone to find that voice? Dude, you are good at these questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I had written down this, uh, I, I had written something down uh, after I saw the movie A Star is Born, the new mm-hmm. one. And there's a great moment um, where Bradley Cooper's talking to Lady Gaga out and 
they're on a balcony overlooking LA and it's, he kind of says to her, like every, a lot of people can sing really well, but what's your, what's deep in your soul that you're going to share with the world. And I thought that was just completely apt to the whole conversation that, you know, a lot of people can shoot pictures. Yep. So what <laughs> doesn't get you anything anymore. It's, you know, just dig deep. And I would say, turn off your follow following uh, people who are like you and dig into other sources of inspiration. So for me, that's um, uh, there's old, I love older photography and discovering new photographers from the fifties and forties and thirties and back. Uh, I love reading short stories and I love reading really good detective novels because they're completely observational. So the detective walks in a room and can see all these relationships and that that informs me as a photographer. I love watching really good television. There's just an incredible time for TV for uh, the visual aspect and the light and the camera movement. And, you know, I, I watch TV in a very active way. And same with, with films and older films and things. So, you know, you've got to find your source of inspiration, but I wouldn't, suggest following <laughs> photographers you you know if you get caught up in that the hyper loop of blogs and instagram you're gonna your brain's gonna explode and that's not a good thing yeah absolutely and uh, yeah it's either being if obviously if you're listening to this you probably are shooting weddings to some degree but you know looking more at fashion magazines or i love looking at bon appetit and the way that people shoot food yeah. And yeah. even just like the way that they shoot portraits of the chefs, there's so many amazing styles of photography. And if you're just looking at other wedding photographers, it's it's really difficult. It's almost like it's hard not to plagiarize when you're just reading one author. You know, it's it's hard not to sound like a, mus a certain musician if that's the only musician you listen to. I think, yeah, there's there's that element of being able to look outside of your craft and even looking at paintings, looking like all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just got contacted by a, I think it's a woman in South Africa who started a new Instagram account called Counterpart. And she just reached out to me and started talking, but she's featuring kind of out of the norm wedding photographs from history or current. Um, but I just really uh, applaud her for, for trying something like that, just curating um, pictures that haven't been seen before. And, you know, I think it's like, how do you stretch it all out and, and replenish your inspiration and your creative soul? Cause, uh, you know, there's always that balance between art and commerce. And I think photographers these days are so strong on the commerce and on the SEO and on posting and all that sort of stuff. But are you filling your art quota for the day? Are you filling your inspiration that's outside the wedding industry? And um, it, it'll it'll really make it so you can stay relevant and stay fresh. And I highly encourage it. Love it. Well, I feel like this was a really enlightening conversation, and I hope that other people listening find that as well. Because I I just love your perspective and point of view, and also the fact that there, it is such, it's not a young industry, but it's, there's the, I feel like the barrier to entry is so low. There's so many people that have only been in it for a few years and to have someone be in it for as long as you have. And I mean, I, and I'm always looking to that as well, being that I've been in here for a bit as well, trying to figure out, yeah. you know, how to, how to continually do this and make a living doing this while supporting a family and then also not burning out and, um, maybe, maybe just we could end on that element as I just thought of it is for shooting for this long, how do you feel like, have you gone through burnout? Have you, how do you, have you gotten out of it? How do you not get into it? Uh, I definitely went through burnout. Um, when my third child was born, I realized that I had shot, uh, he was born in 99 and I realized I'd shot 
pretty much every beautiful weekend in the 90s. <laughs> so in New York, we have May, June, September, October. And I used to do 20 weddings a year and like every beautiful weekend was gone. Right. Um, so, so I definitely slowed down after that. And then now I do 10, 10 to 12 a year and it's great. And I would encourage people that, you know, if you're feeling any burnout, then do a wedding for a family member for free or for 500 bucks or something and just go as a bring one camera and just shoot completely fresh without the obligation of pleasing that big fancy wedding planner or big fancy bride. Um, I have a big family, as you know, so my nieces and nephews are getting married and each of their weddings has just been incredible because I've been a guest, I've been a relative. I fit in all these different boxes while shooting it as well. Um, so, you know, I kind of, I love the spirit of that where I'm just part of the party and in it and dancing with everybody and, and I'm not trying to please anybody except just making our family history. So, you know, do a wedding for free or for, for fun every once in a while, like once a year. And, um, and that, that definitely helps. And Use your winter time. If you get a break during the winter, use that to re-energize and make a battle plan for the next year. And one other thing you said earlier, Braden, was don't show pictures to clients that you don't love. Don't try to please the client. Don't try to sell them on something. It, sh it should be a really strong match. And whenever possible, I'd say meet people in person and look in their eyes and see if you want to make pictures for them and not it's it, it's not you're not trying to sell yourself you're trying to see am i the right photographer for this wedding but showing pictures that really get to the core of your vision your superpower during that meeting is super crucial that's huge yeah it it, it, those are the things that either make the job life-giving or life-sucking <laughs> is when, when, you, when it's not a good fit, you know? Yes. Well, it's, it, there's, there's a real energy exchange at weddings. You put out a lot of energy and it's a good one. You come back to your home, to your family and go, I was filled up by that weekend. Totally. And that's, that's really like the, the whole guiding principle for me is if I make great pictures, I come back really filled. Love it. Well, hey, thanks so much for just sharing your knowledge. And if people want to see more of your work, is it just johndolan.com? There is a secret uh, secret other part of the website of johndolan.com slash wedding. All right. Perfect. And then if to find... <laughs> really hidden. To find your manifesto, they can go to blog.johndolan.com and they can read that whole article, which is great. Correct. Fun. Well, well, thanks again and hopefully get to see you soon. Fantastic, man. Really hope you loved that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it and got something out of it. I would love to hear from you. I'm going to probably be developing somewhere else to leave comments, but if there's anything that you want to uh, just hear about or someone else you want to have on the show, or if you want to be on the show, you can direct message me at my Instagram, which is at Braden Flynn, B-R-A-E-D-O-N, or my email, Braden at BradenPhotography.com. But yeah, we'd love to hear from you. If you like this, please share it. Please subscribe. And just really trying to help, you know, bring community to our photo community and education and all that jazz. So thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.